The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. So before I get started here and pray for us, at the end of the service, we're going to be issuing a call. Normally we'd have you come up to the front. Today we're going to have you stand uh, wherever you are if you're feeling this call to uh, keep some sensitive uh, information and maybe people off of our live stream, but I want you to be praying now because what we're praying for today is a fresh call for a few of you to leave everything behind and go to the nations. And that might be you wherever you are, even though right now you don't know it's you yet. That's happened before in these services and we're praying for that. And what we're also praying for is a fresh call for all of us to be more engaged in this greatest cause, no matter if that's in your neighborhoods or in the nations or on a Barnabas team or just simply more devoted prayer. So the Lord is coming for you today by His Holy Spirit, and I want you to be prayerfully listening to what He's saying to you. So let me pray for us before we dive in here to Acts. So Lord, we do come now, and we are asking what feels to me like apart from you impossible things that you would call people away from their comforts, their homes, and call them to go to the nations, to faraway lands and across oceans. And, and calling us to do the impossible apart from you, which is to walk across our street and talk to our neighbors about Jesus. And it feels like a good place to me to be calling for something totally impossible apart from you. That's where you love to work by the power of your Spirit to make sure that we know that you are the one worthy of all the praise and not us and our clever planning or strategizing, but you by the mighty power of your Spirit to make much of your Son. So, Father, please come now through your Word and do your work, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. So today, uh, this is a, a funny Sunday. We are in week two of Global Focus. We're in our first week of a new series in Acts. Not only that, but Election Day is right around the corner. Maybe you didn't know that, but it's coming up on Tuesday. This is in the midst of a year of social unrest like we haven't seen in a long time. We've seen it before, but not in a long time. And there's this pandemic, right? You're, all of you are in here wearing masks. So how in the world could all of those themes fit together? <laughs> what should I say uh, this morning? Well, I think verse 1 helps us. It says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, if you heard that and are thinking, that didn't help me fit all those themes together at all. Give me a couple minutes to keep trying to show you. And this verse tells us something really important about the book of Acts. It means that it is book two in a two-book series. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So what's the first book? Well, the first book is the Gospel of Luke. Luke. Both of these books were written by 
Luke, the physician that we see traveling with the apostles on their missionary journeys, and the one we see was with Paul in his last days in the book of Timothy. Uh, Both of these books were written to Theophilus in order to testify to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you know this, many of us think it's Paul, but Luke wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else in total content. So when we look at Luke and we look at Acts, it's a big chunk of what we're supposed to get about who this Jesus is. So from this first verse, we see that we're in part two of a two-book series written by the same author that takes up more space in the New Testament than any other author, which means that this point in this verse is showing us the big structure and therefore, I think his main purpose in this two-book series. So what are they about? Well, book one is the Gospel of Luke. And the point of that book, if you want to go and read Luke 1 later, was for him to record a detailed account of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ from the time of his birth until the time of his death, resurrection, and ascension. Book two is the book of Acts. And if book one was meant to show the words and work of Jesus while he was here on earth, then book two is meant to show the words and work of Jesus after he ascended to his throne in heaven. I hope you see that in verse one. In the first book, Luke dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until he was taking up. So what is he doing in book two? He's dealing with all that Jesus continues to do and to teach by the Holy Spirit through His people. So, so what's the significance? Why do I say that's tying all of our themes together? Because what this points us to, this verse, this Gospel of Luke, and then this book of Acts, is that all of history, all of history before Christ came to earth was pointing to the fulfillment that would come by His life, death, resurrection, and ascension. All of history was pointing to that. That's what it was all about. It was the main point leading up to it. And now, in the book of Acts, all of history is flowing out of His death and resurrection and ascension. It's the main point of everything. The very structure of Luke, Acts, this two-part volume, is meant to show us the centrality of Jesus Christ in His kingdom. He's saying, don't you see what the main point of everything is? What is the most important in these days of pandemic we're in? Luke would say, knowing this king and making him known is the most important. His kingdom has been unshaken through many darker days than this before. What is most pressing in these election days? Remembering that our King has been and always will be on His throne. As we read through the book of Acts, you will not get the idea that the kingdom of God is dependent on any particular earthly ruler because what you will see is that power is always coming from the throne of heaven. Now, I'm not asking you to minimize the importance of the election on Tuesday or the pandemic. I'm not asking you to minimize that. I think it's important I'm just asking you not to maximize it. Don't maximize it either. Don't lose the place of first importance that Luke would have us have in these books. The kingdom of God will not be shaken by the election on Tuesday. Simply won't in any way, in any form, in any fashion. He's not out of control. The pandemic will not ultimately undo any of God's purposes. It will serve His purposes. 
in the very structure of this two-part series that was written by Luke, I think we see how our God would have us structure our hearts. In other words, in the, the grammatical and them, thematic structure of Luke and Acts, you would see how we're meant to structure our hearts with Jesus ascended and reigning as the ver- very first priority and king of our hearts. So as we look at the structure of this book, I would ask you, is that the structure of your heart this morning? You're not going anywhere. You're not going to the nations unless Jesus is king of your heart in your seat right now. You're not going to be compelled to go and tell anyone about him, your neighbor or the nations, unless he's the king of your heart right now. And I'll just say, Global Focus Week 2, right, this feels like a really inconvenient time for a mission sermon with all that is going on. Like, how does that fit in the planning? We could have thought it through better, right? How could anyone even have the bandwidth to consider leaving everything behind and going to the nations with the turmoil here in our own nation? How could that happen? How could that happen this morning? And I think it's going to happen because Jesus is reigning as the very first priority in some of your hearts. He's reigning. He's going to remind you of the place He has in your hearts this morning. There's never a convenient time to lay down our lives, leave our comforts, and walk into danger and risk in order to make the beauty of Jesus Christ known. When is that convenient to do? But perhaps, if we can get Jesus centered in our hearts, the inconvenience would pale in comparison to the beauty of our Savior who is worthy of worship in every neighborhood and in every nation. So that's what I've been asking this week. Lord, there is a lot going on reign in our hearts. Make the structure of our hearts match the structure of Luke Acts with you and your kingdom at the center, your purposes at the center, your work at the center. And we can't even understand the book of Acts unless we see that everything is about Christ and His kingdom as the main point of all of history. So let's dive in here to verses 1-3. to Read it. With me, it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So here we see the presentation of the kingdom, the introduction to the kingdom. As we begin this book, we see this overlap with the book of Luke. In Luke 24, Jesus tells the disciples, He says, you're going to be witnesses to the nations, to all the the ethne, all the different peoples of the world. This isn't talking about geopolitical city-states, but all the peoples, all the ethne need to hear the gospel. And then He says in Luke 24, you're going to start in Jerusalem and work your way out and he says wait for the promised holy spirit and luke picks up that narrative here now many of the titles of the book of acts is something like uh, the acts of the apostles some say the the acts of the holy spirit but if i was going to name the book i would simply name it the acts of jesus christ in this book what we see is jesus christ from His throne on high, reigning and continuing to do and teach by the power of the Holy Spirit through the people that He ransoms. Through you now. You're the continuation here. 
So as we move through this, keep that theme in mind. None of this is really about the people we see. It's about the power of the King from on high. The main thing we see in Acts is Jesus is speaking. And Jesus is doing, even now. Some of us have such low expectations for our Christian lives because we don't realize Jesus is speaking. Jesus is doing now from His throne in heaven. Now notice two significant things about these verses. First, notice all of the proofs He gave them. This just smells like kindness to me. He didn't just show up once and talk to them and say, remember, I've told you all this already, so I'm going to give you a quick 15-minute reminder and then I'm on my way. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God and gave them commands for 40 days. Day after day after day he spent with them. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about a time he appeared to over 500 people at once. Paul says some of who are still alive. What's the point of him saying that? Well, go ask them if he's alive. Go ask them if they saw him. Jesus made sure that they had ample proof that his resurrection was real. Why? So that they would know his kingdom was unstoppable. If you can't stop someone by killing them, what are you going to do? That's the point. I'm going to prove to you that I'm alive. I'm here. I'm going to eat with you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to teach you so that you know that nothing's going to stop me. You saw me die, and here I am day after day with you. Nothing can stop this kingdom. Our king is alive and well. He is reigning at the right hand of the Father. Nothing escapes his power or his providence. Our ruler remains steadfastly working all things according to his will, and he will never be voted out of office. Second, notice the prominence of the idea of the kingdom of God. It's going to run throughout the book of Acts at important points. Here is a risen king giving commands. It's speaking of a kingdom. There's a king. He's giving commands to a people. The book begins with the kingdom of God in verse 3, and the book ends with the kingdom of God in chapter 28, verses 30 to 31. Here it is talking about the apostle Paul, and here's how the book of Acts ends. It's a strange ending. It says, He lived there two whole years at his own expense. He welcomed all who came to him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and he teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ without boldness and without hindrance. So we see in the beginning to the end, the central theme of Acts is the king and his kingdom, which comes as people repent and believe the gospel to the ends of the earth. But there's no clear finish to the story in Acts. It's just this strange thing. So Paul did this, and then you just get left with that. No clear ending of Paul or the other apostles. Simply last words that speak of the kingdom of God, the proclamation of the gospel, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now a lot of people, as you read commentaries, think that this was intentional by Luke. Why, so why would he end without an ending? Right? Like, don't you hate a TV series or a movie like that, right? You just like, give me some completion. Give me some satisfaction. And Luke doesn't do that. Why? I think his point is this. The story's not over. So let me ask you this. When you read Acts, and you see the Gospel on the run, and the Spirit doing amazing things, do you think, oh, that was great. I love that that happened. Or do you think, that's us. 
That's what he's calling us to. That's what's going on right now. The story's not over. Jesus continues to do and teach. The church continues to pray and be empowered by the Spirit to make much of Jesus. We continue the story. This has implications for us in how all in, so that all may hear, we might be. It means Jesus is our King and His kingdom is here. Now, of course, entrance into the kingdom comes by faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We'll see that theme But then his kingship means your life is sold out to him completely. This is the kingdom of God is not a democracy where we all get a vote. Do we know what it means to be submitted to a king? He is a king who gives commands to his people. Like go and make disciples of all nations. He gives those commands for their good and his glory. We are so used to, in this place we live, living segmented lives. Where we do this over here, and then we do church over there. Where we do this over here, and then we do witness over there. That's not what it means to live under a king. He demands every moment, every breath, every, every dinner with your family, He's there. He's demanding your obedience, your allegiance. He's demanding your life. He is the point of everything. He's the point of everything. How will Jesus continue to do and teach in the neighborhoods of the south suburbs? It's got to be you. It has to be you. It has to be the church. How will Jesus continue to do and teach in the nations? It's got to be us. It's got to be the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. Point number two, the power of the kingdom. Now obviously, the task is big and it would certainly be overwhelming if we thought about it. Like I was trying to think this week, one of the reasons I love narratives as I like to imagine what it was like. Can you imagine, here you are, the apostles, you've spent a lot of time hiding when you didn't know Jesus was alive, so you're, you're kind of dispositioned towards fear. He's come back, he's taught you, he's going to leave, and he says, and now you're going to reach the ends of the earth. Right? Like, I sometimes can't figure out how to get all my leaves raked up before it snows. And he says, you... You guys, you're going to go to the the ends of the earth with this gospel. I mean, so many people don't know Jesus. How could we possibly accomplish such a huge task? And he gives the answer in verses 4 to 5, this power that's going to come. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus is about to leave them. They've been taught about the kingdom. They've been given their mission. And Jesus says, but just hold on a minute. Don't get too excited. Wait. Why? Because they needed power. Why did they need power? Because persecution was coming. They needed power to endure persecution. Why did they need power? Because 
we can't change people's hearts on our own. So they needed power. Why did they need power? Because opposition would be strong. And not just random opposition, but like organized opposition against them, we'll see in the book of Acts. They needed power. Man, how are you going to rejoice that you're worthy to suffer for the sake of His name without Holy Spirit power? When you step into your God-ordained role as a witness of the King, you step into hardship and opposition. By definition, you need power. So if you're sitting here thinking, I can't do that. I can't do this on my own. I can't do what they did. I can't do what I've heard these missionaries talk about these last couple weeks. I can't do any of that. Of course you can't. You're not called to do it on your own. The Holy Spirit is God. (laughs) He dwells inside of you. He's powerful enough to walk you to wherever He needs you to go. And as the Holy Spirit comes in the book of Acts, we see Him work as people preach sermons that draw many to repentance. We see Him work as miracles of healing take place. We see Him work as miracles of of death take place. We see Him work to set apart people for mission. The Holy Spirit must come to make much of Jesus in word and deed and mission so that the kingdom comes as people believe and submit to the King. So King Jesus is still working and teaching and He's going to do it by providing the power necessary in the person of the Holy Spirit for His people to be His ambassadors for His kingdom. So you ought to, as you hear this call and you hear the need, you ought to feel completely inadequate. I've never talked to a missionary that says, man, just, I got it. I've got it. I can, I've, I can do this. We can plan enough. Everything always goes according to plan. We ought to feel completely inadequate and we ought to then plead for the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? I know some of you feel inadequate to share the gospel with your neighbors. Right? We've got holidays coming up and some of you will do all you can to avoid talking about Jesus at your Christmas parties because you feel inadequate. You ought to. But the power of the Holy Spirit will be with you. He's in you so that you can walk in Humble courage. Point number three, the purpose of the kingdom. Look at verses six to eight with me. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now the apostles have been through a lot at this point. (laughs) Uh, Traumatic is probably a fair word. So we can understand, as he's calling them to go to the ends of the earth, that that they uh, they might want some restoration first. Some rest. Do you ever feel that way? Just want God to come and fix the chaos in your life and give you back some control? Anyone feel that way right now? Like, Lord, are you going to restore some stuff now? Like, Lord, is now the time when you're going to make that problem go away in my life? Lord, is now the time when you'll finally take away the chronic suffering and pain? Lord, is now the time when you'll make my, my messy life less messy? Lord, is, is now the time when you'll make this country look the way I want it to? 
Lord, is now the time when you'll make this pandemic end? Right? Can you relate? Have you ever been distracted by the here and now? You ever wanted answers now? You ever longed for it all to get easier now? We can understand what they're saying. Like, this is actually a promise. The Lord is going to do some things to restore Israel. So it's not like they're just out there on a limb, just all selfish. But the point is, they want it now. Give it to me now. Fix it now. And Jesus simply answers their question, saying, Now for you to know, you're, you're not God. It's not for you to, to know. The Father has fixed the times and the boundaries of all things. So why don't you let him worry about the timing? You go get to work. You worry about the mission. So, so what does he call him to? What's the purpose of this kingdom? What we see is the purpose of the kingdom is spirit-empowered witnesses of King Jesus to the ends of the earth. What I love about verse 8 is that we not only see the outline of the book of Acts, but we see the outline of human history with Jesus at the center. So Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. In chapters 1-7, to what we'll see as we walk through Acts is the name of Jesus testified to in Jerusalem. So we'll see. First point. Then in chapters 8-11, to we will see the name of Jesus testified to in Judea and Samaria and mainly because of persecution. Right? So the initial spreading wasn't a bold going. Right? We wouldn't have written missionary books about how bold and courageous this planning was. The initial spreading was a necessary running and talking about Jesus as they were persecuted and on their way. And then the rest of the book we see the name of Jesus beginning to spread to the ends of the earth and we end up in Rome. So here's, here's the amazing thing about this verse. If you're sitting here today and you're trusting in Jesus Christ, it is because God has kept His promise to give His people power to go to the ends of the earth. Right? Lakeville is a long way from Jerusalem. If you're trusting in Jesus, sitting in this room, wherever you are or at home and you're watching this, it's because Jesus has kept His promise. The Gospel has spread. You've repented from your sins. The Kingdom has come to you. Now you're invited to participate in making Jesus known just as He was made known to you. That's how this thing works. People hear the Gospel and repent and believe and it becomes such a treasure that they can't shut their mouths. And with that invitation to you is the promise of power. The promise that you'll have what you need. This is the purpose of the kingdom of God. A people speaking the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit so that others can know Him, be forgiven of their sins, and submit their lives to Him completely as their King. So let's just say it clearly from Acts. We can go to all other sorts of passages to confirm this. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you cannot wiggle out of this purpose. It is the most pressing calling of your life. In other words, we're, we're not doing global focus because we're creative. It's really strategic. It's, we're doing global focus because God says you've got to do global focus. <laughs> I will have a people. And I'll have a people through my people that I empower to go and tell them about me. We're doing global focus because we can't wiggle out of this purpose. The question cannot be, well, will I participate? 
Do I, do I have time? Do I have energy? There's a lot of other things going on in my life. Do I have time to participate in, in making much of Jesus to the ends of the earth? The question has to be, how will I participate? What is the Lord calling me to do? What, what would He have me do in this season of my life? I said earlier in the sermon that this is a really inconvenient time for a mission sermon, but that's sadly true of all the time for us and how we prioritize our energy and our time and our resources. Not just you, me. I mean, how often do you wake up with this mission on your mind and the promise of His power is compelling you to go? Lord, you, I'm awake. I belong to you. So many people don't know the gospel. You've promised the power of your spirit. I'm ready today. We, we don't think that way. Are we submitted to our king and expectant in prayer? Are we a people devoted to the word in prayer? Are we a people with our hope completely wrapped up in the kingdom of God over and above the passing kingdoms of this earth? Because they will pass away and this one won't. If people looked at our checkbooks and our social media and our dinner tables in our schedules, would they see a people dripping with devotion to King Jesus? Or would they see people mainly living the American dream and squeezing them in when they have time? Now hear me clearly. Moving to the application now. Hear me clearly. This is not a guilt trip. I don't want to guilt you into going overseas for 30 years. It won't work. None of us is perfect. The apostles were not superheroes. I have zero desire to shame you into anything. But this is an invitation. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Him right now? Is He he the place of highest affection in your heart? Do you love Jesus Christ? Has He saved you from your sins? Is all the most important stuff in your life already taken care of because of Jesus? That he saved you from your sins. Do you see how good it is for him to reign in your life? Do you love that he's the boss and you're not? Do you see how much better it is when he's in charge and you're not? Do you feel the freedom of walking in complete dependence on your king? If you'd say yes to all those things, then this is an invitation to invite other people into your joy and have your joy exponentially multiplied. This isn't a guilt trip. I don't want to shame you. This is an invitation into joy. This is that God would be glorified in us when we're most satisfied in Him. This is what we're about. Not just here at Bethlehem, but what we should be about as Christians. And this this is so natural for us except when it comes to our our walks with Jesus, you tell people what you're passionate about. You do. About music you like, movies you like, politicians you like and don't like, food you like, sports you like, what your kids have done recently, your thoughts about organic foods and vaccines, your opinions about masks. I'll go there. Because you're passionate and you tell people what you think about things when they're important enough that you think other people ought to know. Are you passionate about the kingdom of God and about the king that saved you? Is that what you would be most known for wherever you are? Or would you be more known for other things? How many 
of our friends and family and neighbors and coworkers don't yet know Jesus? Are we praying for them? Do our hearts break that they don't? Or would we be satisfied if they just voted for who we wanted them to? Do we feel the urgency of the moment we're in? Like the southern suburbs need Jesus Christ. They need Him. What else is going to solve all the problems? If you want to worry about the problems, who else is going to solve them besides Jesus? And not only our neighborhoods, but the nations. There's this site I go to maybe once a month, and it's really helpful. It's called the Joshua Project. You can go there and get all sorts of information about unreached people groups. And I went there just the other day. There are still 3.23 billion people who have not yet heard about Jesus and there's no one planning to tell them about Jesus. 3.23 billion people. 3.23 billion souls that don't yet know Jesus and no one's planning on how to go to them to tell them about Jesus. 41% of the entire population of the world. So that equals out to 7,000 or so unreached people groups. Do our hearts break deepest where God's heart breaks deepest? 3.23 billion people in many of our neighbors and friends and family. Listen to verses 9 to 11. It says, When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And these verses show us the time that we're in. Jesus has ascended and He's reigning. One day Jesus will come back in the same way. And right now is the time where King Jesus is still working by the power of the Holy Spirit in His people to bring more souls into the kingdom. He'd say, church, why are you standing there looking? <laughs> He's coming back. Get to work. You're the witnesses. This is meant to be hopeful for them, inspiring for them. Jesus wins. He's coming back to reign. Our hope is sure. Nothing can shake it. He will come back in the same way. But what will we be about as a people while we wait? Especially in light of His clear purpose for us and His promised power to us. We have been reached by the kingdom of God. There was a time when where we are right now would have been an unreached people. We've been reached. We've been saved from our sins. Now we're invited to invite others into the kingdom of God. We're invited as the church of Christ, empowered by the Spirit, to invite the nations to know Jesus. So right now, I just want to ask you to ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? You're reigning. You're coming back in the same way. You've made the purpose clear. You've made your power promise to me clear. Lord, what would you have me do? We've got missionaries right, who, who have almost empty Barnabas teams, the teams that pray for them and, and hold them up. Can you rearrange something in your schedule to 
pray for them to get on a Barnabas team? Or maybe right now you're hearing 3.23 billion people and you know the Lord's calling you to go and you have no idea what that means. We want to pray for you. We want to walk with you through that discerning. But if you are a part of the kingdom of God, the time is now between His ascension and His return in the short life, the short breath you have to engage in fresh ways in this mission. This is no guilt trip. This is an invitation to a life fully engaged in the purposes of our King. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This is an invitation to be all in that all may know King Jesus. All of history centers around the supremacy of Jesus Christ. All of history centers around the worship of God. All of our lives in our neighborhoods and to the nations must be centered around these things as well. The structure of these books must be the structure of our lives. We have a king that is worthy of our praise and our obedience, do we not? Is he not worthy of it? I mean, like with your whole heart, you feel that like he's worthy of every ounce and every word and every meal I make and every conversation I have. Is he not worthy of it? Is he not that supreme as creator and redeemer and Lord of all? Is he not worthy of all of our worship and all of our obedience? We have an invitation to be a part of what he's doing. What, what, what a privilege. We have a promise of His power to accomplish His purposes. And we see the great need for many who have never heard to hear like we did and be saved from the kingdom of darkness and brought in to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So we're going to, I'm going to pray us towards communion. When I, when I get done praying, I'm just going to walk down and give you two or three minutes to just pray about What would the Lord call you to? What would He be drawing you to? What's the next step for you? Who's the the neighbor you need to pray for? What's the nation you need to start praying for? What, What idols have you held up that have made the structure of these books not the structure of your hearts? What things are taking Jesus' place as your hope and your treasure and your joy? So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to sit down. I'll come back in a couple of minutes. We'll take communion. We'll sing together and then I'm going to ask you to respond. So let me pray. Lord, we, we confess that though we know you're worthy of all of our worship and all of our obedience, there is no one in this room who even this week has given you all of that. And that's why we need Jesus. And we're thankful that He's paid for our lack of worship and our lack of obedience. He's brought us into the kingdom. We're going to live forever like we sang before. So let's stir up our hearts now. Show us our sins. Show us our brokenness. Show us our weakness. Show us our fear. Show us our idols. Bring us to the cross. Remind us of our forgiveness. And then Lord, stir up in our hearts what's next for us in this greatest mission You've given us. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at 
Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.